inaugural episode of Songs in My Head, a podcast about music and sharing that music with other people. I'm Josh. Um, I'm going to be one of your hosts. Sitting next to me here is my co-host, Kristen. Say hello. Hello. And I figured we'd start out the first episode with a little introduction about ourselves and about the music that we listen to. Um, first and foremost, I am an emo. Um, no, I, I'm a scene kid, uh, so I grew up listening to a lot of pop punk. Um, ska was in there a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's a fun time. Yeah. Um, just your standard 80s punk, you know, Ramones, Sex Pistols, Rancid. Well, that's like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, then, of course, Alternative. Can't get past that. Uh, and then pretty much everything under the sun except country music. Yeah, we both share that. Because yeah. I... Yeah. It's not even on my diagram. No. What about you? All right. Um, so I'm a child of the grunge era, I guess. Um, that's my teen years with 90s. So um, everything 90s from, you know, R&B to, um, you know, the alternative grunge stuff. Um, but where I really started to be interested in music was um, when I found certain punk music. Um, for a long time, there wasn't any ways to get new music because, you know, radio and there wasn't the internet yet. Right. So um, once that was an option, like, there was just a whole, like, world of music out there that I had never, you know, experienced. So, um Punk was my preference for a long time, and going to shows and warp tour. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So as I started to be interested in music, um, that's that's most of my um, influences. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and being in the music scene, we we both I think kind of have the same vibe where yeah. live music is always the best kind of music to listen to. Right. You know, you go to a show, and that's like the most energy and connection with the bands that you really enjoy right like watching and listening to yeah and an opportunity to get to hear a lot of new stuff because i mean work tour there was i don't know how many bands oh yeah but oh, lots yeah. of new stuff that i had never heard absolutely um, so i guess i should give you guys a little bit of a rundown about what to expect from each episode so essentially on a week-to-week -week basis we're going to give each other an album that we've never listened to before that we personally enjoy and have the other person take a really deep listen into that album and you know just kind of consume as much about it as they possibly can right so just you know nitpick and try and see what they like what they don't like the weird little things that they can learn about it the weird rumors and things on the internet and you'll find out plenty about that <laughs> as we progress through the episode so uh, I figure I'll just kick it off that um, sounds great so you actually gave me the Beatles which is already a huge huge artist um, you know I mean they're obviously one of the most well-known iconic rock bands pretty much to ever exist right um, interestingly enough, 
you gave me the album that they recorded right before they broke up. <laughs> that album being Abbey Road. Um, Abbey Road, obviously, still a very iconic album, but through listening to it, I definitely heard a lot of, like, dissonance yeah. in the band. It was definitely, like, a, there was a, a lot of separation. You could definitely tell that they weren't getting along. Yes. Everybody was kind of tired of each other. And actually, from what I read, um, it was kind of like a last, a last hurrah that Paul was like, hey, guys, let's, let's, <laughs> let's try one more. And John was like, yeah... All right, I guess. <laughs> um, so, like, it's their 11th album, which I didn't know. I mean, I knew they recorded a lot, but, like, 11 albums yeah. in a short amount of time. That's that's a lot. Um, yeah, and like I said, it was the last time that, that they recorded together. And um, what I did I did read earlier is that John actually quietly, like, just backed away from the band, like, six days <laughs> before the record released. Like, he was like, all right, and I'm done. Um, and then, like, inevitably after they released the record, obviously, a few months later, Paul was like, yeah, we're done. Um, overall... None of them really seem to like the album, <laughs> except for Paul. Yeah. Especially John, though. John really disliked the album. He said that it, quote, sounded like granny music. Yes, I, I saw that. He kept saying Paul's granny music in the yeah, stuff I that like, I read. <laughs> granny music? But then, like, when you listen to it, you're like, all right, I can understand it. It's a little hokey, some of it. Yeah. Like I mean, overall, you know, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it, it's I think it's an interesting album. I think I kind of went into it at a little bit of a weird angle because when I listen to music, um, you know, I listen from beginning to end, full album, and I wasn't thinking that obviously it had having been released in 1969, it was on a record. Yeah. So like. The album was an A-side and a B-side. Yeah. So when you listen to it... There's like a definitive there's middle There's a to weird it. middle part. And I was like, why did they record this album like this? And then you actually told me, like, okay, well, duh. Like, <laughs> I didn't say it that way, but no, yeah. <laughs> no, but like you, you gave me the epiphany moment where I was like, oh, shit, you're right, yeah. Like... Well, that's why I chose this album, because, like, it's the first album I remember growing up with. I listened to it on vinyl in the beginning, and then cassette, and then CD. So, like, I think as far as anything that I've listened to over the years, it's the only thing I've listened to in, like, every format. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, that that was just always something I knew, because it was time to, you know, flip the tape or <laughs> right. the record. Right. So. Um, and, like, actually, something else that I found interesting was that Initially, the way that that John wanted it to be was all the songs that he wrote, he wanted on one side, and all the songs that <laughs> Paul wrote, he wanted on the other side. <laughs> and, I mean, clearly, 
that I guess didn't. we can know which side's which too. <laughs> that, but it didn't happen. Oh, exactly. I mean, it, 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 they, they didn't record it that way. They didn't put it together that way. Um, but, like, I think the reason is because uh, John wanted more of, like, a rock, straightforward rock album where it's, like, it's numbered and, like, it doesn't have to tell a cohesive story. It doesn't have to do anything, like, thematically. Um... You know, and he just wanted a straightforward rock album. And Paul was like, I want to tell a story. I want to be thematic. I want to include poetry. <laughs> and, you know, so... But that's it, Paul. Yeah, I mean, that's Paul. You know, he's, he's the, the old softy. The granny. The granny. <laughs> Gran. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I listened to this album, like... I don't know, seven, eight times in the last couple weeks. And so, you know, it's really... It's grown on me a lot. The first time through, I listened to it, and I was like, this album's fucking weird. <laughs> like, I recognized a few of the tracks, obviously, because, I mean, it's the Beatles. They had a million number ones. So, like, you know, Come Together was obviously, it's the title track, and it's one of the more popular tracks on the album. Um, yeah, because there's a cover. Right. Everything. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there yeah. there albums or albums, songs on this album have been covered a lot. Specifically, oddly enough, which I'll get to, the one that George wrote was highly regarded as one of the best love songs. I know you guys can't see me giving air quotes, air quotes. but like one of the best love songs by Frank Sinatra. Really? Yeah. Frank Sinatra was like, this is the best love song I've ever heard. Frank fucking Sinatra, who wrote some of the best love songs. That's crazy. Of the crooner age. Anyway, so I'm going to go track list one by one, talk about them a little bit. And, um, you know, then I'll, I'll tell you what my favorites were. Um, so obviously, Come Together first track strong it's a real strong track um written and sung by john i found out and i'm i may not do this on every album i may not go into exactly who wrote it but right. i felt i felt like because it's the beatles well you said that it, you could tell that there was dissonance so oh, i think yeah. that's important yeah, yeah, yeah. here to know and who. even even track to track when you listen to it you can tell this was not all written by the same person. Oh, right. So, like, I wanted to know. So, I mean, obviously, like, I dove a little deeper, and that's why I, you know... So each one of these, I do know who wrote it, who sang it, which most of the time, the person that wrote it also sang it. Right. So, Come Together, uh, written, sang by John. Um, initially, he was using it... Uh, for a political purpose for a U.S. politician, kind of like a, some sort of pundit. He was running against uh, Ronald Reagan, I believe. Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Um, as governor of California. It was uh, Timothy Leary. And he was going to use it for his campaign, and then he got arrested... For cannabis possession. Which is ironic. Which, 
is hilarious because he was an advocate for drugs. Exactly. I was going to say that that's what he, that's what um, he gets caught with. So, yeah, as soon as the campaign ended because he got arrested, John was like, well, I'm still going to record the track. And so, you know, he pulled back into the studio, wrote down everything, wrote the lyrics, wrote the song. And, you know, it ends up, I think to me it kind of has, it almost has like a protest song vibe to it in some sort of weird way. Like, it's not necessarily like, uh, you know, we don't need this war, like a hippie song, but like, you can definitely feel that it's, it's very politically charged, but it's still, it's, it's a great song. Um, so then after that, we have the song Something, which uh, was written and sung by George which is very interesting because he didn't do that a lot until uh, he started his solo career. Like, he co-wrote on a lot, and he sang backup vocals a lot, but he didn't sing a whole lot in the forefront. Right. Um, But yeah, John and Paul both said that it's one of the best tracks he's ever written which I was really surprised about because for those two to say that about somebody else's work is like, holy shit, that's like, they must think really highly of this track. Um, but yeah, it's it, what I read was that it's the second most covered Beatles song. Really? Mm-hmm. There have been covers by Elvis, James Brown, Smokey Robinson, Frank Sinatra actually added into his closing part of his sets for a few years. And he said that it's one of the, the greatest love songs that was ever written. That's what I was wondering when you said that earlier. Yeah. I was like, I bet it's something. It's just so, it's yeah. so odd. Like, Well, that song is one that when I was a child, I kind of skipped over. But it's something that I appreciate much more now after, you know, years of hearing it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's not it's not my favorite song on the album, but I mean it's it's definitely it's a well written song. Yeah. It's a good song. Third song on this album is wonderful. Maxwell's Silver Hammer. <laughs> Such a weird song. Yeah. It's a Paul song. Oh yeah. Um, which I mean is obvious. Like when you hear the vocals, it's obviously Paul. And that that's another thing too, like they have such distinct singing voices that, like, when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Paul. That's definitely John. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a song about a homicidal maniac, so that's cool. <laughs> that's real cool, huh? Um, but he actually... The thing that I, I thought was really interesting is he said in an interview that it was written... That he wrote it as an analogy for like when something goes wrong yes. and you just don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, I have that like, noted here too and I was hoping that you... Yeah, had... like it just, out of the blue, something goes wrong and you're just like, fuck? It's a squisher downer. The squisher downer, yes. Um, what I also read is that everybody else hated the song. Right. Like... Yeah, Ringo said the recording session was the worst ever, and the worst track they ever had to record, is what I read. 
Yeah, and Ring, <laughs> Ring, this was one time that Ringo actually said it was a granny song. Yeah. Yeah, that um, surprised me. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was interesting, too, that the, he actually wrote it after they went to India. Like, after they had done their... They had gone on their little trip right. to India and come back, and then he wrote that, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then... Coming in hot right after that is Oh Darling, which is also uh, a Paul track. And I didn't find a whole lot like of a breakdown about the song, but just from listening to it, I mean, it's it's a obvious like nod to classic American doo-wop. Um, you know, it's got a lot of influences from, you know, like a lot of the southern gospel singers and like the Motown singers and it just I don't know I just really like Paul's vocals on the song and I just that was a good song that's another song that I always skipped over because I was like oh it's so long but like as I got older I appreciate it and it's it's really fun to sing I mean it doesn't sound good when I sing it but it's (laughs) now (laughs) oh no I said that Maxwell's Silver Hammer was a weird fucking song. Okay, I know where you're going. Octopus's Garden. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was my favorite song as a child, just because it, it was so ridiculous. It's so weird. It's so <laughs> First of all, they gave Ringo the reins on this one. Bless his heart, you know? He was like, Hey guys, I just came back from Eng- or from from Italy, vacationing with my family. I want to write a song about an octopus, and they just all patted him on the head, and they were like, "Okay, Ringo, go ahead, you write a song about an octopus." But like, it's pretty catchy. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun song, and I mean, it literally, literally spurned from a conversation that he had with the captain of the boat <laughs> about octopuses. They just spent the whole day just talking about octopuses on a boat in Sardinia. <laughs> and I was like, if that's not the most, like, lavish rock star bullshit. <laughs> because he he took a vacation in the middle of recording Abbey Road because he couldn't stand being around the rest of the band <laughs> so much. So he basically just went and chilled on a boat and talked about octopuses and then wrote a song about it. But uh, like I said, it's 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 a catchy song. Oh yeah. And I don't know, I just it's very playful. Like whimsical. Yeah, it's what I was thinking. Whimsical is a very good word for it. Yeah. It's like I said, that's the one I grew up on and I remember singing it like in the car with my parents. Yeah. And it was just it was my favorite because it was ridiculous. It was just silly and you know. So, you follow up that with a more serious, heavy track. Interestingly enough, I said heavy, heavy as part of the title, because <laughs> it's I Want You, She's So Heavy. Now, it's a Paul track, or no, excuse me, it's a John track that he wrote as kind of a, a love song for Yoko. Um, what did I read? It only contains 14 words. 
I knew there weren't much. <laughs> yeah. It only contains 14 words, and they repeat them a lot. But, like... <laughs> other than... <laughs> other than knowing that he says, I want you, and she's so heavy... You couldn't convince me that this is a love song. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a love song. No. But you can definitely hear the influence from a lot of the other music that was coming out at the time. You know, you can definitely hear, um, like, the Stones. You can hear that a little bit of that, those darker tones. Yeah. And, like, the, the weird switch in time signature and everything. Um, and... Uh, a little bit of the doors. I almost hear like I a little bit that. of little Jim Morrison in there. Yeah. I don't know, maybe because I have Jim Morrison on the brain lately, but, you know, I, I, it's a good song, but it's definitely, I don't consider it a love song. Oh, no. It's very angry. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess is kind of a nod to how John and, o and Yoko were. They were in love, but they didn't necessarily always like each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a, there's some sort of passion, but not love. Like, some sort of yeah. passionate feeling, whether yeah, it's good or bad. Yeah, I don't know. It was some, they always had some sort of weird relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, so, that is actually the last track on what would be considered the A side of the album. So then, flip it over. We go on to the B side. It starts off, you've just listened to... A super angry, like, hate fuck kind of song. <laughs> What's the first thing that you want to hear after that? Here comes the sun. I mean, it's it's a real nice song. It, nice. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I feel like from you, a nice song is um, not a very good thing. <laughs> no. I, Just I because mean, you're more... Um, vocal about things you like. And well, okay. Here's here's why I say that it's a nice song. Aesthetically, it's real nice. It's all acoustic-y. It's very light lyrics, light subject matter. It was a, a George Harrison tracked song. And um, little fun tidbit that I read about. He actually wrote the song in Eric Clapton's garden. <laughs> Yeah. I would not have known that. Yeah. Super weird. <laughs> random. Like, just one of those random facts that I read about. Um, and I guess it's kind of like he used this track uh, to express, like, his time away from the group. Yeah. You know, as kind of like a an awakening, a rebirth, so to speak, you know. Here comes the sun. Do, 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 do. You know, so like, it's, it's, I get the song. And honestly, like, after you, you reminded me that, you know, in the 60s, everything was a record. Once I thought about that, and then I went back and I listened to the album again, it made a lot more sense. I was wondering if that would change your opinion yeah, at all. Yeah, it, it did, because it, it really makes. It's a strong opener for the second side of an album. Right. I mean, and obviously it's another number one. So, like, you know, sure, I get it. 
I'm surprised I didn't take this personally because that is one of my favorite songs. But when I talk to you about it, like it's a it's a nostalgic thing for me. I think more than anything. Right. But is... it's also one of those songs that I use as like a positive um, motivator. I think just because it's more positive. Like yeah. Which I, I mean, I get it. You know, like I said, I mean, it's it's a very it's a very happy. You know, but I think when I was a kid, track. I often listened to the album from the B side, which is weird. I guess because the first side sounded kind of serious. Like, yeah. I preferred the rest of it, so I started yeah, there a and lot. I can understand that. And actually, once I get not the next track, but after that, I can I totally understand that. Yep. So after here comes the sun, you have the song. Because, which is written by John. Um, interestingly enough, it's actually a song that was inspired by Yoko, not necessarily in a love kind of way, but um, I guess she's a classically trained piano player. And one day they were just sitting around and she was playing uh, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. And he heard it and he was like, hey, wait a second. Can you play the chords to that backwards? And that inspired him to write the the guitar line for this song, which I was like, that's so random. Right. Like, that's but that's like some next level like big brain musical mind shit. Like that's yeah. on like a whole nother level. Right. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, it was yeah, that's a kind not... of forgettable song. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's there. I always felt like it was a filler for me. For least. sure. No, I, I agree. Now, here's why I could definitely... Honestly, if they took Because out, they could easily have gone straight from Here Comes the Sun into what they call the medley. Yeah. Easily. Um. So... Essentially, they the end of the, the album, they called it a medley because everything kind of... Continuously flows. ...tells a continuous story. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, so the first track in the medley is You Never Give Me Your Money, which is written by Paul. And uh, it's actually... I mean, clearly it's about money. <laughs> So it's essentially about, it's kind of a lament about their their business with their label uh, right. at the time. Um, but, I mean, it, it's a well-written song. I mean, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good beginning for the medley, which I yeah. do like. Yeah, it's it's a real, a real, like, subtle lead into the medley. And then from there, it cuts into Sun King, which is written by John and um, one thing that I did read about it is that the title is likely um, a nod to a biography that's written about uh, Louis the Fourteenth. really yeah because his nickname was the Sun King huh. of France um, but also what I read is that most of the lyrics are just nonsensical gibberish written in Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese. So, like, and they even joked about it that, like, 
None of them really spoke any of the languages very well, <laughs> but all the words sounded nice together, so they just put them together. Right. Um, then, Mean Mr. Blustered. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting track. Uh, it's another John track, and what he says is that it may have possibly been written about a Scottish guy that he read in the newspaper that was getting taken to court by his wife for money. But in the track, they say that he hit it up his nose. <laughs> maybe a drug reference. Right. Maybe not. Um, but it's, it's a fun song. Um, and then it goes, interestingly enough, it goes into Polythene Pam, which they make a reference to in Mean Mr. Mustard. They, right. they say his sister Pam works, in the, works in the shop. Initially, it was recorded as his sister Shirley, but then they changed it to Pam to have continuity right. in the medley. Um, another John track. Um, the theme... Super interesting. <laughs> um, the word they used to describe it was somebody that's a scrubber. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, in literal terms, is somebody that scrubs floors. So somebody that cleans. In comical fetishy kind of terms, it's somebody that scrubs floors and can't do anything else for a living, so they're a prostitute. The name itself was a general name that they gave for the track though because it's actually a combination of two women that the band knew um, during the, that time like leading up to them recording Abbey Road one lady that they knew um, I didn't write any other names down not important <laughs> but the stories behind them interesting the one lady uh, was addicted to eating polythene and that's actually how she got the nickname polythene pam yeah she was polythene pat is what i was oh yeah polythene pat. it was a fan from their early days mm -hmm. yeah and then the other lady was somebody that liked to dress in polythene <laughs> and i didn't really know how to take that <laughs> i was like okay sure sure i mean and there was all the interview things that I read was like a lot of weird kinky sex things. Everybody was dressed in plastic. <laughs> I was like, all right, it's the 60s. You guys do what you want to do. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> um, the next track, quite possibly one of the funniest named tracks in the album, uh, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. <laughs> It's literally what it sounds like. Right. It's a song written by Paul about fans that essentially just camped out outside of his home or apartment or hotel. And one time, one of them took the ladder from on the side of the house, climbed in his bathroom window, <laughs> and stole a picture of his dad. <laughs> I didn't know that part. Yeah. That part's my favorite part of the medley. I don't know why. It's like... so weird. But what's even funnier is that they record, they actually have an interview with that woman that came in <laughs> through the bathroom window, and she said that 
she knew people that would go in to his home and like take his dog for a walk. <laughs> I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah, but that is kind of crazy. Whatever. <laughs> um, quick thing though, before I go on to the next song, something that I did read that was really interesting is that Polythene Pam and uh, she came in through the bathroom window is the only time in the band's history where what was it two separate songs by John and Paul were recorded as one so the track was laid together but it was written by written and sung by two different people right only time they ever did that huh yeah super interesting um so after that was Golden Slumbers which it's interesting uh it's a very whimsically kind of light-hearted song, which uh, another Paul track, and everybody knew Paul was like the very theological, you know, well-read member of the group. And uh, actually, the lyrics were taken directly from uh, a ballad by a poet from like the 15th century. I think his name was Thomas Decker. So, like, the whole thing's actually part of his poem. Huh. Yeah. Like, the, all the lyrics are basically straight out of this ballad that he wrote, which is super interesting. Um, and you could kind of hear that, too. It kind of has, like, the flow to the actual lyrics kind of has, like, a sonnet kind of flow to it. And then it actually carries, haha, directly into Carry That Weight, also a Paul track, um, which is another kind of Trials and Tribulations song similar to You Never Give Me Your Money. Um, it's in reference to just a lot of the troubles that were going on within the group and with their record label. So, you know, just kind of more lament. Right. But then, like, it kind of makes sense, because when you when you step out of the whole medley, the last song on the album, the end, is literally, it's a eulogy. It, it's an epitaph that Paul wrote for the band to say, see you later. Like, thanks, thanks for coming out. <laughs> thanks for being here for this so whole long. fucking... thanks for all the yeah. <laughs> in the in the words of My Chemical Romance, so long and good night. Yes. Um, but actually, it actually contains one of the the most quoted uh, song lyrics in it, which is I have it written here. And in, in the, the end, end, the love you take is equal to the love you make, mm -hmm. and that's like one of the most one of their most quoted lyrics. Which I, I, th I, I mean, I understand completely. Right. Um, what did I write about it here? Boop, 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 boop. Ah. This is the one time that they actually asked Ringo 
to do a drum solo. And they brought Bringo, Bringo, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they bought, brought, <laughs> I forgot how to speak. When they brought Ringo into the band, they, that was like part of his audition was like, do you like drum solos? Fuck no, I hate drum solos. Come on in. <laughs> but then when they wrote this song, because it was like their last hurrah, they were like, no, 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 please. Like, go ahead. It's fine. But then there's also um, a segment of the song where they almost have like um, dueling guitar solos. Mm-hmm. Where it's like all three being George Paul John playing guitar solos back and forth against each other for like a whole, I think it was like a minute and a half. They each get like 30 or 45 seconds, something like that. And, you know, that was kind of the, the top hat on this album. Um, with the exception of the hidden track, of course, which is Her Majesty, <laughs> which almost actually got left off because it initially was supposed to fall between Mean Mr. Mustard and Polythene Pam, but Paul was like, no, 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 no. This is is far too silly. But... The rest was okay, but that that was just... Right, that one was... But that was an interesting thing because... They pretty much had like a don't throw anything away, don't erase anything, because we might come back to it. And they got to the end of the album, and the producer was like, let's put it on there. But it's funny because there's literally like a 20 second pause at the end of the end, and then all of a sudden there's just this little like whimsical ditty about. The, the queen and like drinking enough wine to be presentable for the queen well the thing I find interesting about that is because um, I mean I listened to that album I don't know how many times when I was a kid but um, I, I remember discovering hidden tracks on CDs right. like, that's the first experience I had with them Yeah. so um, that's kind of interesting that they did that well beyond oh yeah well I mean, before anyone else yeah I, I <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even think of another time that early in music yeah. that, like, there was a hidden track. Yeah, I remember once I found one on a CD, I was like, I have to check all my CDs to yeah. see if there's one. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> nope, never mind. Um, yeah, so, like, like I was saying uh, with the the two songs that were recorded together... Yeah. With John and Paul. Interestingly enough, actually, a good portion of the medley was recorded together. So, like, um, Sun King and Mean Mr. Mustard were recorded together. Um, Polythene Pam, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window were recorded together. And then Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight were all recorded together. So they were recorded as one track. Right. And then tracked onto the album as individual tracks. So. That's pretty cool. And, um, not that it has anything to do with the actual music on the album, but another fact that I did find very interesting was that this is the only Beatles album 
to not feature any explanatory words on the cover. No album title, no band name, nothing. It's just a picture of them crossing the street. And I thought that was really cool. Like, that's like such like a, that's like punk rock <laughs> before punk rock. Right. Like, it's so, that's so punk, it's stupid. And I love it. <laughs> Um, and now, I mean, everyone knows that scene. Oh, that, yeah. That picture. And, I mean, like, the one thing that I was reading is, like, people go there all the time and, like, redo that album cover. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, it makes sense. Um, okay, so I guess I'll tell you what my favorites on this, this album were. And, you know, I'm sure it's an agree to disagree. Oh, yeah. Um... Obviously, the opener, Come Together, great song. I've always liked that song. I mean, it's a strong track. It's just, it's a jam. You know, it's it's one of those songs that you just, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. It's a great song. Um, Maxwell Silverhammer. <laughs> and Octopus's Garden. Because they're just so fucking weird. I've always felt... And like... Mac- but like, they're just so fun. Like... And I, the thing that I love about, about Maxwell's Silver Hammer is that they went as far as to actually have somebody in the studio hitting a piece of metal with a hammer. Yeah. Just to add the effect into the song. I was just thinking when you mentioned the two together, like the Octopus Garden is, is kind of whimsical, but also Maxwell's Silver Hammer always felt whimsical to me in yeah. like a very dark way. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, it's almost, um, like, like a Through the Looking Glass. Like, if you listen to those two songs side by side, yeah, like, it, it gives you, like, a very, like, whimsical Alice in Wonderland kind of vibe <laughs> where you're like, what the fuck am I listening to? Um, and then, of course, I liked Oh Darling. I mean, it's, it's, that might be my favorite song on the whole album just because it's just it's so like it's really raw so there's a lot of feeling behind it like it's an emotional song like like paul actually said in one of the interviews that i read that like he wanted it to sound like he was just so haggard and emotional by the end of the track and i mean you can hear it for sure But, I mean, I I get the same thing from I Want You, which is another one of my favorite tracks. Like, you can definitely feel, even though it's only 14 fucking words, you can definitely feel that, like, there's a lot of raw emotion in that track. So, that was another one of my favorites. And then, in the medley, um, I was a big fan of You Never Give Me Your Money. Um, it just, I don't know, it's a really well-written little, like, yeah. little track. And then, uh, I mean, not to say that I didn't like the other songs. It's just some of them, some of them spoke to me oh, yeah. more than others. Well, I kind of expected that. Yeah. They're all I pretty mean, different in, in different ways. For sure. For sure. They, they're definitely some very, very different different tracks but I mean overall I think that it was it was a great album and I think 
you know, I mean, I'll definitely listen to it again, obviously, because I'm a Beatles fan, you know, like, not like a super fan, but I'm definitely a fan, and like, you know, it's definitely an album I could see myself going back to. Right. Did you have sure. a clear least favorite? <sighs> because it just was there. Yeah. Um, that was really the only one that I didn't really care for. Um, I mean, like, Here Comes the Sun wasn't my favorite. But Are you like, downplaying it because you know I like it? You don't have to. I'm not going to be offended. No. Okay. No. I, <laughs> I mean, it, it's because I had heard it before. Right. But I think sometimes when I, I had heard it before, I didn't even realize it was a Beatles song. And then, like, I heard it, and I was like, oh, okay, I know this song. Like, interesting. So, like, I don't hate it, but it's definitely not one that, like... That you would go out of your way to listen to. Yeah. If like, it wasn't on the album. Right. Okay. Like, I, yeah, for sure. But it's, I mean, it's a, like I said, I think it's a well-written song. And, you know, I think it's a nice segue into the, the long medley that is the B-side of this album. Right. For sure. I mean, I, I like the whole thing, though. I, I would go back to it. Good. So, let's take a pause for a second here, and I'll take a breather. Yeah. Um, and do a little segment that we're going to call Earworm. Yeah. And it's just, it's just kind of one of those songs, or a couple of songs, or an album that has just been chomping away inside your ear lately um i know you have a super random one well today today i have um the album that i had for my assignment stuck in my head a lot just because i listened to it a lot the past few days and you know i i did all my deep dive and stuff today so i listened to it while i was doing that so that's in my head like various lines from the songs and i'm not gonna say them because i'll you know Talk it. about that, but right. yeah, my um, my earworm that I have quite often. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say it. Do not be embarrassed. Okay, so, it's so good. it is from the YouTube video that I saw with um, a mix of Lazy Town, <laughs> bake a cake, and added with some Little John. So perfect. Yeah, I don't know if there's an official name for it, but isn't it? Uh, it's just. Cooking by the book. Oh yes, cooking right? by the book. Yeah, you're right. You're I, I'm right. pretty sure it's just called cooking by the book. Yeah. So yeah. whenever my brain starts to be a little idle, that's what pops in my head, and it's <laughs> at the most inopportune times. So <laughs> mine is pretty random though. Um. So like, I don't know why. I don't know what put this song in my head. But I've been, like, kind of just humming it every now and then, um, like, when I'm at work or when I'm just around the house. Even in the shower, I've been, like, <laughs> whistling it to myself. Oh, I can't wait to hear what this is. Stepping out. Really? Yes. <laughs> Stepping out. Like, I'll just be, like, walking around at work and I'll just be... Bah, 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 and I'm like, Why? Why? listening to their music, and I'm like, I can't get it out of my head. 
Earworm. Literally. It's a literal earworm. <laughs> so, and we're, we're going to try and do this every episode. Um, it might be more than just one song sometimes, because I, I know there are times when I could be in the middle of listening to something, and I'm like, no, I gotta go back and listen to this album real quick. Yeah. So. So, I guess it's my turn. It is your turn. Okay, so my album that Josh gave me to listen to is an album called Trainwreck by Boys Not Out. Boys Night Out. Yes. That was a very... Okay. Boys um, Not Out. <laughs> Um, so my first thoughts, um, I'm not sure if I've told you how, you know, originally I wasn't really too into emo stuff. Just because, um, I think I kind of missed that phase. I was, you know, not an impressionable young person when the, you know, whole emo scene thing was a thing. So, I just never really got into it. Well, because I think that when you, when emo was... Like, when the emo scene, pop-punk kind of stuff was getting big, you were still on the tail end of 90s alternative grunge and, like, the 90s punk. Yeah, and like I said, um, that's, you know, the late 90s is when I got the internet and uh, got to be exposed to new music and Napster and all that stuff. So, I know, right? Um... (laughs) It's the devil. And that's when I got exposed to, you know, more um, no effects, um, Pennywise. Um, I was really into Less Than Jake and other ska. um, Still a Less Than Jake fan. Um, But that's when we were going. Big Fish? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen the two of them together playing. Nice. Yeah. So um, more into that kind of stuff. And I mean, that was the days when you could go. see a show for ten dollars or whatever some punk show the good old days yeah so i mean i saw some pretty good shows um but i like like bouncing souls and i mean there's a little bit of everything and i I did like pop punk yeah glory and but i wasn't as into it i think because i think though when you when you put a band like newfound glory in there though they they kind of are walking the fine line because they came out in like 97, 98, mm-hmm. which is right when the punk scene became the scene. Yeah. So, like, they were still <clears throat> coming out of post-punk, post-hardcore, which is actually pretty much where Boys Night Out came in also. Right. Because they're a post-hardcore set. So, you get a little bit of the pop-punk, but you also have a little bit of the hardcore, screamo kind of vibe. Yeah, so a lot of my musical experiences, um, like going to shows and whatever, I went with my best friend, and she was a huge emo fan. And um, I always felt like emo music was divided into two categories for me. It was my chemical romance and everybody else. <laughs> like, <laughs> to me, it was like, they're the only ones that I felt that I knew enough that they stood out. Like, every other band sounded really similar to me, and I don't know why that was, if I just didn't have enough exposure to different bands, but I don't know, it just wasn't my thing. Um, Somehow, my chemical romance kind of crossed over, and I wound up listening to them, but the rest of it, until I met you, I don't think I ever really spent much time thinking about it. 
That's fair. Yeah. I mean, and, and My Chem is, is one of those bands that, like, I don't want to get too far off track here, because My Chem might show up later. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but My Chem is one of those bands that, like, they're, like, genre-bending. Like, yeah. they, they're not just pop punk. They're not just emo. They're not just scene. They're not just goth. Like, yeah. Which... I think makes them closer to like how the 80s avant-garde like punk acts that came out like when you had like Iggy and the Stooges and like The Clash and like when you have like those kind of bands I feel like they kind of bend a genre a little bit right so anyway Okay, so that was my original thought, and I'm like, oh, no, I should have known it was going to be an emo album. Um, <laughs> oh, and... I should have known the scene kid was going to give me an emo album. And it's a band I never heard before. Right. I mean, I knew a lot of your clear favorites, and you made me a playlist of a lot of things that you liked, and I don't remember hearing this on there. So, um, at first I was like, oh, okay. And then you told me it was a concept album, and I was like, I don't but I did know what that is once I actually figured out what it is. I just didn't know, like, the term. Well, okay. Because, like, concept album sounds weird when you say the words concept album. Exactly. I was like, oh, my God, I can't but do But then this. <laughs> when you say something like American Idiot is a concept album. Which I also didn't know until I was doing this. And Welcome to the Black Parade is a concept album because it's writing an album with a bunch of songs that are in the style of the band but tell one cohesive story in a weird sort of timeline. Well, yeah, my um when I started reading about it, my examples in my head were like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh yeah. Or Tommy the Who. Mm-hmm. Because those were what I grew up with. For sure, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm like, oh, I guess the concept album is a thing. And like, I don't know, if you didn't tell me, I'm not sure I would have known until I started a deep dive right. that it told a story. Right. I mean, the beginning, um, I guess we can get into this. So um, I was curious why you chose this album, though. Because like, I don't know, like what made you choose this one as the first? Um, I think because it's... It's just such a distinct album, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorites, and I mean, I have a million favorites, so that's an unfair thing to say. I'm biased. But it's it's definitely one of my albums that I go back to to listen to often. Right. And I think, conceptually, it tells a really interesting and vivid story. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought there was a lot of depth here. Just because, um, I don't know. I guess I can go into some of the songs. There's sure. Yeah. Um, but first of all, yeah, I didn't know anything about Boys Night Out, so I started to do a little research and found out it was their second album. Um, didn't know that they toured with um, My Chemical Romance, The Warp Tour. Like, I didn't know they did any of that, because I have never heard of them. The one thing that I found interesting... Um, just when I was doing this is that um, it listed Connors um, some of his influences 
And uh, I always find it interesting to find out what somebody's first musical purchase is. Just, I don't know why, that's just something that I always found it, it interesting. It is interesting. And his first cassette that he purchased was Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet. That's hilarious. And like he was really into like Guns N' Roses and that sort of stuff growing up. So I thought that was kind of funny just because I, I don't know, I always think it's interesting to find out what someone spent their own money to buy like well, the first time. What I think <laughs> is even more interesting about that is that he's from Canada. <laughs> That's true. So like that, that expo exposure to that music is even funnier. So... <clears throat> So I was reading about some of the songs and things that he was listening to and um, as you know they were starting to play and starting to write music and one of the albums he listed was Jimmy World's Clarity which before we started this project we had discussed going through some of Jimmy World's discography and talking about it and Clarity is where I left off so I thought that was kind of interesting because you know that's my last notes in right. the book. Yeah. so I was like whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> it's all connected all right, so like I said, my first thoughts about emo music in general. I was like, okay. And, um, okay, so what I learned about Trainwreck, which I thought was interesting, was that Jeff wrote a short story that inspired the album. Okay. So, like, as I listened to it the first few times, um, <clears throat> I still had that, you know, the songs have a distinct start and end to them and that they aren't connected. Like, it took me a few listens to really hear it. Um, because I think a lot of the songs started out one way and then took a little turn. There's a lot of variety, like, in the same song. Mm -hmm. So it was hard to tell sometimes when I was listening to, like, where the songs started and ended. And actually, before I met you, I don't know that I've listened to a full album in a long time. Oh, wow. I mean, I have some of your recommendations, but before that, I picked and chose whatever so... I could tell from here, like, I would have missed a lot if yeah. I picked, like, a track. Yeah. And I can't even think of a track that stands out because it's so connected. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I found it interesting that it was based on a short story. Um, and that, you know what, that makes sense, too, because, like... Yeah. When you... I mean, you'll get in. I'm sure you, oh, yeah. you'll get into that. But when you have listened to the album and you you listen to the content of the album it has a short story vibe to it oh definitely like, so I, I, I can get that but it was um, probably a lot darker than something i would have chosen for myself like which is interesting the content matter is super dark but not all of the songs oh no are super dark i talk about that in here so like the first track was introducing and i thought it was interesting that they all were um all the tracks were named in a current like current sense, they all ended in ing, so they were like mm -hmm. a current. I thought that was interesting. Um, it started out where um, a doctor was dictating notes and talked about how a patient was released, and he was looking over all his new, t you know, tapes and notes, and um, there were a few like of his um, words that kind of stood out to me, um, where he talked about, <clears throat> I know he seems fine, but seems can be a very dangerous word, especially in this business, it can be fatal. Mm. So it kind of hinted to there's going to be more. Right. Like, um, some of the things I caught during this you know, conversation, maybe the sixth time I listened to it, um, made sense to connect to the other things. Because at first I wasn't sure what part this introducing belonged to, but it really isn't the beginning of the story. It's right. somewhere right. in the middle. Um, so based on that, 
that conversation that he was recording, um, it was, you know, not going to be the end. Right. Um, so he talks about how the patient has this hole behind his eyes where the events that happen just kind of fall through and talks about how, lo you know, it's loneliness and the kind that no amount of love or human contact could ever mend. Right. So, like... I it, love... That's one of my favorite lines when he's, like, it's... Yes. It's loneliness in its most crippling form. Yes. Uh, it, you know, and he's, like, I can, I can fill these holes with... Yeah. Drugs. It's, it's exactly what I said next. I can fill these holes. Words. It's my job to fill... To try and fill these holes with something else. And then the first line, like, musical that you hear is, um, the lines I wear around my wrist are there to prove I exist. Well, I didn't realize and connect that until much later. Yeah. And we'll talk about that later. For sure. Um, but that's the first, like, line that um, is sung. And that's all you hear in the first track, really. And then the end of it is a conversation where the patient says something's eating me alive from the inside out. Um, so that's... Yeah. Which I, I actually think that's really cool. That, like, right at the end, you actually hear yeah. the patient. Yes. Which is cool. I yeah, that's, that's how really... I feel like it, a lot of it connected with each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that really sets the scene for like what you're going to hear in the rest of the um, the album. Yeah. So the second track was Dreaming. Um, I think for me, like, there's a clear before and after in here because he talks about um, how he's in love and tonight I'm wrapped up in her. And it's a current thing about how, you know, connected they are. And then you hear the song change. And then he starts to talk about things in the past tense. Like, last night I was wrapped up in her. You know, it kind of goes from current right. to after and skips. like. And almost like when you hear the way that his vocals go through the song, it almost becomes belligerent. Yes. Towards the end of the song, like, he's more, like, almost, like, ranting. Yes. Yeah, so what I got out of this one is that, um, like, he was talking about how he and her were inseparable, mm -hmm. but then, you know, in his nightmare, he kills her. Right. And um, at that point, it's like the nightmare and her become inseparable. Right. Instead of him and her. Right. So <clears throat> that was what I found interesting is like the clear division between like present and, you know. Well, yeah, because it's, it's like the division is his brain slipping reality. Right. And I mean, what I've read and what um, the songs kind of hint is that, you know, he had some sort of mental break. Yeah. Where he wasn't conscious that, you know, he was, he was doing this. So... Um, actually, that reminded me of the movie Idle Hands, which was a kind of <laughs> random movie in the 90s. I don't know if you ever saw it. <laughs> I have. Oh, yeah. Idle Hands is a great, yeah. great flick. Yeah. So the end of this song is where he says, um, yeah, the end of the song changes, like, the music, the tone, everything. And then he says, our favorite songs have been repeating all night. Someone call an ambulance because something's not right. Right. And, like, then you know, like, it's about to get, like darker right i mean obviously but like if you don't listen real thoroughly you almost don't know that he killed her like right. in that song so track three is waking and <clears throat> it's where the um the patient wakes and realizes what had happened so he talks about um how he called 911 and 
Um, he's kind of explaining it in the third person from what it seemed like to me that maybe he was still like viewing the whole thing as like what the hell happened. Right. Um, <clears throat> like he still has a split reality almost. Um, let me see. But um, yeah, the music in this, there was more like, I don't know, synthesizer sound or something. Like there was something that was more like it had a different like upbeat yeah tempo to it and sound and i was like that almost doesn't fit but it was interesting to yeah, me is that i'm trying to think is this uh i'm just trying to play through the the album in my head yeah is this um i can't believe yeah it make says, this a dream because yes. i really can't believe that she's gone yes that's like the, the chorus right yes make, yeah 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 make this a dream because i really can't believe that she's gone i'm not here and this isn't happening right so it's like dissociation yes like that's, he's like holy shit what happened yeah because he was talking about like marvel with this madman as the makeshift monster rips through the room yeah. so he's still talking about like someone destroying all of this and doing all this but he doesn't really connect himself with it um yeah, it's interesting because in this song I almost get like a like an eighties. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at, like a like an eighties synth pop. Yes. Almost like a Depeche Mode, or something. yeah, uh, like the Cure, something like in that wheelhouse. Like yeah. where it's like gothy synth. Yeah. So, so it's it, it's it's interesting though because like when you cut from. The first track, first actual musical track, right. into like a heavy synthesized track, but that is also musically heavy. Then you're like, whoa. Yeah. So it felt it felt like kind of intense, but more of a I don't know. The song was much darker when you listen to the lyrics than when you listen to the to the melody and everything. Right. And so I, I actually like, almost think that like the synth makes it feel like a fever dream. Yes. That's kind of what like, I was thinking. Like it was, he still isn't connecting. Like where he like wakes up and he's just in a daze, like yes. in, a, in a head trip, and you're just like, whoa. Yeah. So like that song, I felt changed everything. Um, I don't know. Like that's kind of where I started feeling he was more human. Yeah. Just because you know you have really hardly any contact with patient in the introducing part, except for that last line, and then you know. I don't know. You, you hear dreaming and you're like, <laughs> great, he killed her in his sleep. Uh, you know, I don't know if I believe this and right. you're all like, of that. Oh. But then hearing, you know, waking, it has some some human aspects to it that makes you almost feel bad. Like, right. <clears throat> so then it goes into sentencing, which is check four, um, where they talk about um, between the judges and doctors whether he should, you know, be charged and sent to jail or if they, you know, can say he's mentally unstable and right. get him institutionalized. You know. Right. Right. So, like, some of the lines that stood up here is, um, yeah, my name is evidence, my role is undeniable, unless I've become inadmissible in crimes of consequence. So I wrote that down, and I wrote down, nothing makes sense anymore when murder is just a mistake that you've made. I love that, that line. That's I know. I really, line. I really like that, too. So, like... And I, I love it, too, because it's like, uh, sung in like a chorus yes and he just comes in with that like nothing makes sense anymore yes like and you're just like when oh murder's just yeah it's like but like you get like a full chorus behind him and you're like ooh, geez yeah it's like emotional yeah 
Yeah, like it has such a raw, like a raw emotion to it. Exactly. So like in that one, there's a lot of feeling there. Yeah. And especially in that line. Um, so then on to medicating, which is track five. And um, what I got out of this one is, you know, the patient's in the hospital, he's talking to the doctor about being released. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know, he thinks the hospital's making him worse. And the one... The one section that stood out there was, you know, doctor, doctor, what am I here for? Can't you see that I don't need this place? place. I don't need these walls. I'm no threat at all. Yeah. And then he was like, doctor, doctor, you won't regret this. Yeah, because it's essentially like... And then I was like, shit, he's going to regret this. Because, like, it starts out probably right there. Yeah. You know, in the between where he's released. Right, because, like, in, in medicating, like, it's like, you know, hey, you guys got this all wrong... Like, I don't need to be here. I'm not crazy. Like, it was an accident. Right. You know, and, like, he's... It's it's him trying to convince them, like... Well, I was trying to wonder if he was trying to convince himself. Because, like, after you get to the rest, you kind of wonder, was he rushing to get out of there to, like, keep going on all this? Because... Well, yeah, because there's the whole line where he's like, yes, I know what I've done, and I regret it every day. Yeah. Um, so here's where it got really dark. Um, track six was purging. Um, basically, you know, the patient's released and return, you know, returned to his regular life and back to work and everything. And um, it seems like everyone's surprised how quickly he's returning to everything. Right. And, you know, there's a, a line... I'm trying to remember because um okay so yeah here's where they start to say the lines I wear around my wrist are there to prove I exist right and here's where they talk about um it hints at what he's going to do um it says walk around walk through the kitchen grab a marker trace the path the blood will flow so you start to wonder at that point like what he's planning and then yeah. the lines around his wrist and it comes to the point where, you know, he cuts off his own hands to, you know, prevent himself from doing that again. Because he says these claws will never kill again. Yeah. Which is a perfect reference back to your idle hands reference. Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of what I was... <laughs> that's exactly what I was connecting well, how to. That, idle hands are the devil's I don't, tool? I think so. I think. I'm going to look it up while you... <laughs> so, yeah. So here there was, like, a ton of feeling... But when I was thinking about how he was promising the doctor that he's not going to regret this, I was thinking, does he know he's going to cut off his hands? Right. Is that how he's assuring the doctor that he's not going to regret it? So, yeah, it sounds like, you know, there were people around. Um, you know, he, he cuts off his hands and basically, like, passes out. Um yeah, I'm a monster clothed in crimson sleeves and perforated lines where my wrist should be. So then you know, okay, well, you know. And it's interesting, too, because initially when you hear him talking about the lines on his wrists... I was thinking it, it was self-harm almost yeah, in the beginning, but say, then... it almost sounds like... Ooh, wait, trigger warning. Oh, yes. It almost sounds like he's going to kill himself. Yes. And initially, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, shit, is this guy about to kill himself? Well, see, I got out of that, the, the lines around my wrist to prove I exist, because sometimes you need to feel something. So I was thinking that, you know, he was medicated, um, maybe he didn't feel like he, you know, 
could feel things. So maybe, you know, physical pain would cause that. Idle hands are the devil's playthings. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right. Okay, so we go from that song to relapsing, chapter 7, where he's back in the hospital, and here's where he starts to hear his wife's voice. Um, I thought this was really interesting because... Um, Instead of the emptiness he's feeling, he's filling it with a song. So he's hinting that he's got a song that he needs to, you know, release. Um, but you hear, it opens with hearing the wife's voice, which actually, um, I forget the vocalist's name, but her voice is really good. Yeah. Like, I was really impressed. Yeah. Um, I heard she left the band or whatever, and then I was like, where? <laughs> you know, where else yeah, can you Yeah, she literally hear? recorded this album with them yeah and that's it right so she sings last call at the hospital you slept through it all and these four walls warn you that your surgery it might not be the key to fix the memory of you and me so i was thinking well there's a last call reference so thinking like like last call at the bar like is you know is this his last call at the hospital like is this the last time he's going to be there right so to me i started to worry like oh well there's got to be something else like he's not just going to cut off his hands and that's the end of the story right um well and he, i mean he even gets into that in the first line of the song exactly where, you know where he says like uh, this is more to me than my ex-love and my ex-limbs could ever in my life that's, begin to explain that's exactly what i wrote next um, just because a lot of this felt like really, I mean, I could see where it's a short story. It feels oh, yeah. poetic. Um, yeah, he, so he's talking to the doctor about how the song needs to come out. This is bigger than me, but with no hands and even less skill, I don't know how it will ever come out. So in that song, it's like he's trying to bring her alive again with the song. Right. Um, right. But he... You know, some parts that stood out to me was the saddest songs can sing themselves and just sing along. So it's almost like he still feels this is happening to him, that he's not in control. I actually like the line that is right before that, if where he says, so if death's the answer, then the question is the trigger, and I'm just the firing pin. I wrote that as well, because that felt... Yeah. Well, and then it follows up with, uh, because I'm just the messenger doomed to detonate on delivery yep so like it, it's like he knows he's gonna burn this motherfucker that, down whenever yeah. he sings this song yeah he's whatever. gonna fucking rock it till the wheels fall off like yes. he, he wants to get this song out of there out there whether it destroys him or not yeah yeah so like the first time the you know the very beginning of the song is when the you know wife's voice um but at the end she repeats that verse, and it's much stronger and um, much louder, and that's where I really thought her voice was amazing. Oh, yeah, because there's just so much, like, raw passion mm -hmm. behind her voice. Like, it's so powerful. Yeah. And, like, when you get into that, like, ending chorus, and she hits that super high note. Yes. It just, it gives you chills. Exactly. Like, you're just like, oh. Like, wow, that's a lot of emotion coming out of that. Right. So then, you know, from that track, it goes into recovering, track eight, um, back where, <clears throat> you know, the patient's on medication um, because he's catatonic and everything from his 
hands. <laughs> he's in a lot of pain, so he's on painkillers and, and whatever. So at that point, you know that he's starting to, um, to take these drugs and, you know, if he does that, he almost, I think is that where he says, yeah, when I, when I mix four pills with a drink, the song starts to play. So the back of my head, it's everywhere. And it's all I can think about. So, you know, like he's still doing that to like break reality. Right. Like meds, drinking, whatever. So because he, it's like he has the medication and the medication makes him feel like a robot. Mm-hmm. But then he mixes the medication yes. with his old medication. Yep. And that slips him into a dissociated reality. Right. Where he's still trying to figure out what this song is that he's right. trying to, to share. Um, yeah, and I take my medicine and make them believe I'm a better man. So, like, you know that he's just trying to fool people at this point. Right. It's a facade. Um, Right, so, you know, next track's composing, where, you know, he convinces the doctor that he's getting better and wants to see people again, friends and family. And this is kind of where I had the oh shit moment, just because it goes right into, you know, um, it's about the song, oh, it's about the song in my head, the one where the audience is all dead. That's the, the um, line that's been in my head. Right. Like... Pardon me, audience, but that's where I got the title for this podcast. <laughs> I could, I could tell, <laughs> I could tell, and because um, we talked about various songs we like that have, you know, the song in our head theme, and obviously this stood out. Yep. But that's also the earworm that I had today, yeah. and it was just like haunting. Um, Especially when you hear that, like in the back of your mind, and you just hear it's all about the songs in my head. head. Yes. And you're like, oh, stop, please, I feel weird. Well, because, okay, so that that there almost feels like how I felt about emo music. Yeah. <laughs> like, sad and angsty. Right. Um, yeah, so basically in this song is where he talks about um, how he's killing them. He's killing the people he invited over. Um Together we'll live this song. I've been living incessantly, so like I've been living this whole thing. I'm gonna take you guys down with me. Right. Please um, glory. I know, right? And he talks about, you know, poison, chemicals. But it was like lighthearted. Like he's like, come over to my house, catch up over dinner. We're having strict nine and sirloin. I love that. The way, I know the, you did. The way that it is written is just so clever because he says he's so leisurely about it. Just yeah, come over to my house. We'll catch up over dinner. We're having strychnine and sirloin, port wine and paint thinner. Yeah. We'll convulse through the chorus. It's the song of a sinner. And they're, they're, it's just like, wait, whoa, what was that last part? Hold on, what, what are we having for dinner? Right? It's like, it's like, oh, what flavor ice cream do you have? Oh, we have uh, strawberry, chocolate, people, and vanilla. Oh, wait, what was that? Was that one? Oh, uh, vanilla. <laughs> so... <clears throat> yeah, so in this, I, you know, they, they talk about how he's trying to have other people hear this song or whatever, but also um, he talks about, on every corpse I see, her face, my love, my heart, I hear her laughter, and she's still alive. It's in her body, it's her body that I'm holding. So it's almost like, does he feel closer to her if he's killing other people? Yeah, like it's almost like he's, he's slipped to this point of madness where he can't not see her. 
Yeah, so this was my oh shit moment that, like, it's getting... Yeah. Shit's going down. Um, yeah, so it ends with, you know, it's all about the song in my head line again. Um, I think that's where it fades out. I'm trying to remember specifically. Um, but yeah, so it goes on to disintegrating. So, like, they're all, you know... Let's see, patient... Yeah, the patient's... Um, let me see here. He talks about how like the song is worsening. Last night, um, last night I leapt through the ceiling. There was just something appealing about leaving my body behind, and coming through as you circled overhead. And I said all the things that had been missing from the funeral that I had been forbidden from taking any part of. So it's like he's getting closer to her at right. this point. So you know he's almost closer to his his end. Right. Um, right. It, it's. But what I found like. It's it's his fever dream again. Yeah, so it was almost chilling at the end because it was like the doctor has to go. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't sure if that meant, okay, he's he's done with treatment, he's done with life. I wasn't sure if that's where he was going or he's going to kill the doctor. Right. Didn't know where it was going to go here. Um, and I don't think you even know what his intention was. No. Because it goes right into healing, the patient calls the doctor and... He um, feels the song in his head coming to an end. Um, the doctor... Is this with the... Oh. Yeah, but it, here, it sounded like he was choosing... Trying to choose to be better, but I wasn't sure if that, again, was just a ruse to the doctor. Right. You know, like, oh, yeah, doctor, I'm feeling much better now. Yeah, for sure. Let's see each other again so I can kill you. Like, right. I wasn't sure if that's where it was going. Um, I'll call the doctor. This song finishes with him. Like, um, the part that I liked was music this magnificent and medicine are one, the, one and the same. They make life worth living. Hearts worth healing. So, I couldn't tell if it was, you know, supposed to be a positive ending or not. But, you know, next is where you find out. Well, because, like, when you hear that line... It's it's almost like he's saying like this song that he's had coursing through his head is is his out. Yes. It's like he knows that that's it, it's his completion in life. Right. So like. Yeah. I so think that's, that's kind of what I get from that line. Right. I mean, I went back and forth there, but the final final track, right, dying. Yeah, so it goes right into, like, the music changes, um, you're right into where the doctor comes, and he finds him, like, almost dead. Right. Um, yeah, so the doctor, okay, so, yeah, he, he sings some where, let's see, your body's been dying while your mind has been trying to make you picture a life where you kill for your love, lover, and a song in your head. So he's talking about the deaths of countless others simply set up the lyrics for your symphony. That's where you'll find me. So like real dark, kind of off key, like. Um, yeah, but like I feel like that was. That's like his last leap into madness. Exactly. Like he's on his way out. But you could hear like, it. Like, and you know. Yeah. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in the lyrics. Like. Right. It's there. It's like the feeling is palpable. Right. Right. So, yeah, it cuts to the doctor again where he says, you know, he's not dead yet, but he's close. I failed. This is my fault. 
Um, and then he says, and somehow he's smiling at me. I think he's whispering something. No, not whispering. I think he's singing. Right. So there's the song in the head. He's finally getting someone to hear it. Um, it's instrumental for a little bit, but then it ends with bits from the other songs where right. it all connects. The lines of where around my wrist line again. And in the background, you hear somebody call an ambulance because something's not right. The smell of her perfume struggles to cover everything. Then we were inseparable, which fades away. So, like... I love the part in there, too, uh, when he's, like, when the doctor's recording himself on the scene. Yeah. And he's, like, the stench is overbearing. And he's, like, it's almost sweet, but, like, in a sickening... Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's, like, there's bodies, dead bodies that he killed. He's, like, but it's, <laughs> it's, it smells like women's perfume. Right, but that was, like, his trying to bring back... Right. The feeling of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's basically the end um, of, the, of the album. And when I was done listening to the deep dive, like, I listened probably four or five times through, but I wasn't fully focused on it. But when I listened to the deep dive, I just sat there like, huh. Like, mouth open, just because um, you had, like, that whole emotional roller coaster feeling. Right. And it's just like, I felt like I was shaken up. Right. And I sat there. It was like, I got slapped in the face. It was just... Um, and I texted you, and I was just like, this album's a piece of literature. Like, it's fucking poetic. Right. And, like, I felt like I finished a, a really, well, I say good book, but, like, an intense book. Like, right. one that I was really disappointed that it was over, because, like... It was a rush to listen to. Yeah. It's like it's like you read like an old Stephen King book. Yeah, so I like sat there and I didn't know what to do next. Like, how can you follow that? Right. Um, it just felt It's just it's such a, a good story. Right. And it but it's just like like you said, it's a roller coaster. Like it by was. the time it you was... get to the end, like Well, like I said, I could really feel it turn when he was talking about inviting people over and you know, feeding the poison and stuff, right, and I was like, like oh, uh-oh. yeah, whoa. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I didn't expect to. Um, but I can't do the whole, you know, I like a track better than the other here because it's a whole story. Right. Um, there were parts that I, I liked, and it was mostly, you know, the lines that he repeats at the end where he talks about the lines on his wrist or, you know, it's all about the song in my head. Right. Like, there are certain pieces that are, are more um, more my favorites. Um, the part where the wife sings at the end of the song. Like, it's just, it brings out a lot of emotion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, today I listened to the album for, I don't want to say the final time. Um, the final time before, before this. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I didn't know what to do. I took a nap because <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like, I don't know. It was it was intense, yeah. Um, but I'm curious to hear now what the rest of their music sounds like because from what I was reading is that, you know, this this album was different than their first. Yes. And almost disappointing to some people. That they was so, like, I don't know. The sound was different, but I'm interested to hear, like. More of their stuff. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. And so now, after, I mean, after hearing this, I definitely, um, I don't know, between this and some of the stuff on your playlist, I, I 
don't think that all emo sounds the same anymore. Oh, so. there we go. I know, I know. So you're definitely... For me, on this album, you know, like you said, it's, it's tough to pick favorites. Right. Because, like, like you said, it's a whole story. So, like... I don't feel it was you... a favorite track, but there were favorite moments. For me, though, like, on mixes and playlists and everything before... Uh, I have always been able to work in the song Medicating right. because if you pluck it out it can still stand even as its own story right and uh, what's the title of the song with his wife oh um, the last call at the hospital yeah 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 um, oh rel- relapsing yeah relapsing I've I've put that on uh, on mixes also because that's that's also one of those like it kind of tells its own little mini story right in itself so like those two tracks I've listened to like a ton right more than I've listened to the whole album but I have also listened to the entire album like a lot and the one thing I find interesting, too, is when I was talking to you about him cutting off his hands, and you had said um, you didn't know if it was done as, like, a was precaution. What did you say? You said you didn't know. Like, to me, it was, um, when I found out he cut off his own hands, I was like, huh, that's that's. Oh, because initially really I wasn't 100% sure if it was he cut his own hands off or the doctor did it as a precautionary That's measure. it. And I was like, man, if it was that way, it would have been so much darker. <laughs> that would have been wild. Yeah, so out. like, that was something I'd never considered, and I was like, oh man. Right. That was... But yeah, I mean, I don't see myself listening to this anytime soon, just because it's gonna stick with me for a little while. Yeah, it's a good album. And um, I know personally I don't reach for, like, dark things. Super dark, I... emotional. Yeah, yeah, so, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't I, expect to. It's a good album. It's a good album. But I, I, I will say, and I'm sure that you probably discovered this when you listened to it, the first couple times you listened to it, you're like, the fuck am I listening to? Yeah. Like, why? Why? Like, it's it's weird. Yeah. Initially. But it then really once grew you, on like, me. Once you take the time to actually, like consume the whole story yeah and you and once you figure out that it's a story it makes the whole thing make a lot more sense yeah and i mean lyrics is one of the most important parts to a song for me just because like i really love poetry and like the way words sound and the emotions that you can convey just with words and when you put it in a song and give it you know melody and um you know, voice. There's so many things you can add to it to bring that feeling. Right. Um, so when I sat down and actually listened to um, each track, looked at the lyrics, you know, made some notes. I, it was really interesting to like build one by one on the story because um, it was hard to grasp it all the first few times I heard it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I did all of this in one sitting, which I was not planning to do. 
but there really was it was almost like a page turner like a book like you couldn't put it down yeah I couldn't stop and I'm glad I didn't because I had like the full start to finish effect right but well I'm glad that you enjoyed it I did a lot more than I expected <laughs> I keep saying that but like no I mean it was, I, I it was an experience because it's definitely it's a it's a big experience when you when you are introduced to an album that's like that mm-hmm. so um so what else have you been listening to other than this? Anything um anything in between this? Not earwormy kind of stuff, but just like Um no, I mean my go-to lately has been 90s stuff, R&B, rap. Um my friend from high school came over the other day and we were reminiscing with old songs and Nice. Yeah. And that's that's my go-to cleaning music at home too is the Ice Cube and <laughs> <laughs> nice stuff like that. What about yeah. you? I've been um, I've been consuming a lot of like newer music that just has been popping up. I've been I've been taking Facebook's advice a lot on oh. music. Where if it's something that pops up in my feed, I'm just like, okay. I'm, I obviously Facebook listens to literally everything I say, so probably <laughs> it knows a little bit about me. Um. So, uh, I listened to this band just the other day called OBGMS, or the OBGMs. They're like a, like kind of like a politically punk group. Um, they're really good. Uh, they almost remind me of like, uh, like a better version of what you would have heard from, like, the Sex Pistols and, like, The Clash. <laughs> but, like, a little bit harder. So, it, it was pretty good, though. I, I enjoyed... Lots to listen. I enjoyed that. I would recommend that for sure. And um, I've also been listening to some rap as well, because uh, I'm a big fan of the musical Hamilton, and um, I just recently discovered that one of the the actors in that movie is actually in a rap group called Clipping. So I've been kind of going through and listening to their discography because, you know, that's the way I consume music. I just listen to a band's discography from beginning to end. Yeah. And it's it's a ride. I'll, I'll say that much. It's uh, very experimental. It's very, very, very different. Very noisy. Huh. But I like it a lot, so... Noisy. <laughs> Noisy, yeah, because, like, it's not... It's not, like, traditional, like, song song verse beat-driven rap music. Like, it's... Right. It's more, like... Almost, like, slam poetry. Like, it's, it's interesting. Which so. I really enjoy, so... <laughs> well, there we go. So, I would say that that's about it for the first episode. Um, Definitely. I don't know what frequency we're going to have on this. I would like to maybe do every two weeks. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, I mean, maybe we'll start a next project research so, and see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see how long it takes for the next project. Um, but yeah, uh, so I would say that's the first episode of Songs in My Head. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I enjoyed um, doing this. Yeah, I really had a good time doing this. 
uh, be on the lookout for when we get this posted because I'm going to try and get everything set up with a Spotify playlist with both albums so that everybody can listen to what we listen to and we'll also slowly be working on getting our social medias up and running here and promoting a little more so be on the lookout everybody thanks for listening uh, you know plug in put your headphones on this is something to do yeah. Yeah. thank you